I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is owned by the Gokong Wei Group, the same companies that brought you brands you love like Cebu Pacific and many more. GoTime Bank makes next level banking a breeze with its convenient account opening process. It takes less than five minutes to get started via the free app. Plus, get your GoTime Bank Visa card at one of their kiosks for free. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. You may visit www.gotime.com.ph for more details. Also by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, Award granting and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also brought to you by PayMongo, the payment gateway for business growth. PayMongo allows your business to accept online payments from your customers through Visa, MasterCard, GCash, GrabPay, Maya, online banking, Buy Now, Pay Later, and many more. All with just one platform. Sign up for free at PayMongo.com. And brought to you by SeatCap. SeatCap is a lending platform powered by UBX Philippines. With SeatCap, you can easily apply for a loan from 5,000 pesos up to 1 million pesos from the comfort of your own home nationwide. Visit www.seatcap.ph, sign up, and apply for a loan now. That's www.seatcap.ph. Take your business to new heights by seeking capital with SeatCap. We're going to be a G. 20 country by 2050. 
And our growth trajectory is so solid. We have an administration, a president who is very pro-digital. The government is now getting more digital. The Banco Central, the regulators themselves, are promoting digital payments. Their digital transformation roadmap is solid. So as a country, we have a right to win. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share podcast. This is easily the nicest and the best venue I've done a podcast in a very long time. I can't even remember any. <laughs> Venue that I've done it in a golf club. Right, right. Again, thank you so much for bringing us here. And apologies for our F up when we first try this. But we, <laughs> well, before we get carried away, let's welcome to the show the co-founder and ex-CEO of Union Digital Bank, Mr. Arvid Avera. Whoop, whoop. Arvid, thanks for taking us here. It really feels like I haven't really had the time to do R&R. But this, this looks like an R&R for me already. And it, I, I haven't even gone to the golf course. Now, the outdoors is always a great refresher and inspirational view. So yep. it's good to have you here. Good to have you guys here. I'm yeah, glad amazing. that uh, us to share goes uh, down, local. Down south. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, this is the most international we've ever done. Right? I, I, I remember there was a time in 2019 I was just starting out. The craziest one that I've done was for Taj Mahal, like, you know, right by the Singapore River. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it was so hard to edit at the back because there were boats and there were birds flocking around. Like, oh my God. Coco, coco. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was crazy. But again, this is easily the best venue to do this. And again, before I get carried away, RV, we kind of did this at a first try. We've effed it up a little bit. But I need to ask you the million dollar question. RV, what's your hustle? So if I were to sum it up, I mean, wow, I've been working for about almost 30 years. My hustle is to tech up the Philippines. Tech up. Really. I want to give Filipinos of all walks of life, social class, economic status, the ability to access financial services through financial technology. Mm. Much like you would in the first world. Nice. Because technology is so democratized and everyone has a mobile phone. So there really should be no reason why we shouldn't have access to the same payment capability, investment capability, credit loan capability, savings and insurance capabilities as uh, first world countries. And I'm excited because this journey is finally coming to fruition now. And, uh, nice. but yeah, I, even at an early age, I, I always wanted to tech up, level up. Mm -hmm. and that's a bit, that's the thing. You, you're talking about journeys already. And, you know, before we even go forward and look at this current journey that you're currently on, we need to go back and see how your journey has been to get you to this point that you're in today. So I need you to buckle up real quick. I know we're in a golf club, but I need to bring in my biggest machine ever. It's not even pod machine because we're going to have to ride the hustle share time machine. Oh, I brought it here. <laughs> the most amazing time machine landing in Santa Elena Golf Club. <laughs> Amazing. But again, RV, before you became the CEO of Union Digital Bank, you've had an amazing career. But I need to understand, what was RV like growing up? 
because again, we all have our own influences. Was there remnants of early hustles that you did? And were there influences that helped you do those hustles as you go? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, wow. I've been, I've been hustling since I was uh, about 11 years old. Okay. My journey starts with, well, I grew up in Hong Kong. Oh. So I lived there uh, in my childhood. And at that time, it was a British colony. Yes. And it was a shopping paradise. Yes. So one of my Shinsa earliest. There you go. Yeah. And uh, Mong Kok and all of those mm-hmm. things. And my earliest hustle was when my mom said, look, you need to figure out what to do for the summer. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, look, what am I going to do for the summer? Uh, I thought I wanted to make money. Wow. <laughs> and at an early age, I realized that why did I want to make money? At that time, it was a simple goal. I wanted to come here, spend my summers here with my grandma okay. and play Nintendo Super NES in Green nice. Hills. In where you, where you could okay. rent it by the hour. Right. And my mom, my grandmother used to live right there as in walking distance oh my God. to Vira Mall. So, so I'd be like, okay, how am I going to get that done? And so my mom said, well, I'll get you a summer job. Okay. And so I actually interned. My first job was with the owner of this golf course, uh, Tita Nena wow. Tantoko. She had a flower shop okay. uh, in Hong Kong and she took me in as an intern. Okay. And with the money I saved, I went to Mong Kok Night Market. Okay. Bought five Balikbayan boxes worth of clothes. Okay. <laughs> bought my plane ticket and then shipped it back here. And wow. came here, spent my summer with my Lola, sold my clothes to my aunts and my uncles. My dad has a big family. There are nine right. siblings. Right. His cousins, there are 10 siblings. <laughs> so yung palang, pakyaw na eh, <laughs> So in two weeks, I sold out my stock. Okay. Had a grand time summer. And then I'd fill two balik buying boxes with Bazooka Joe. Wow. Chewing gum. The one with the comics. Right, right. And I'd sell it to my HKIS. The pink one. Yes, the pink one. It makes I, you feel like Michael Jordan when you… Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I sold it to my, my classmates in, in HKIS who, you know, they, they, were, they were Westerners and everybody loved the novelty of Bazooka Joe. But at that time, we were producing it locally, including the comics. Mm. Right? So I, I made a good return back and forth. Okay. Yeah. And that was the that was my early hustle really. And I realized then very early on that uh it's nice to have money. Right. But I realized the power of money. Okay. I mean, how did you even come to realize that power? Because again, at the end of the end of the day, probably ninety-nine percent of people would look at money as a commodity. It's it was, something you achieve for. You know, I have my mom to thank for that when she said, You pay for you pay for your plane ticket. What? And your summer going back and you figure out how, how, how to do it and you from wow. the summer job. So I said, if I just do the summer job okay. and I pay for my plane ticket, I go to Manila, I do my video games. I start from scratch when I go back. Right. So, you know, I started to ask, how can I make this grow? And she was the one who said, you know, this is what's going on. People come here to shop. Why don't you do this? Mm. And I realized, you know, that's better than just leaving it in a bank and earning nothing. I'm like, right. wow, I can multiply my money. So nice. very early on, the idea of compounding interest <laughs> or time value of money. Sorry to go geeky and, and finance. And you sound like a banker. <laughs> I'm skipping already. But yeah, as early as then, I was already in a way, I guess I had that instinct that I wanted my money to work for me and to kind of have a multiplier effect. Mm. Feeling on the lugia, oh, if it just sat there, if I just spent it. Right. And, and at an early age, I was just looking for that out. That how can I make it grow? Yeah. How can I make it grow? Right. And so… I mean, that started me off. I did that for a couple of years, went into other entrepreneurial stuff, even all the way to 
I mean, in college, I was I was selling rice. Wow. I was selling car shades, mm-hmm. I printed T-shirts, mm-hmm. and then and then then Ron, I really found the kicker. I spent summers learning at my friend's stock brokerage firm, and I realized the power of investing in the stock market. And this was like 1991. Wow. So I was like, wow, even better. I don't mm. have to haul rice. I don't have to print shirts. <laughs> no more hard labor. No more hard labor. And I was fortunate to have an uncle, my Tito Jing, mm-hmm. and my dad, who were both investment bankers. My Tito Jing, very well versed with the Philippine stock market. Mm-hmm. And he was my Ninong. And I, I, I stayed with him while I was in Ateneo. Okay. So my parents moved to Davao. And he really, you know, our dinner conversations were really around stock picks, what to look for, management, mm-hmm. strategy. Cash flow. I mean, very early on, he was ingraining in me, you know, this is, I was about 15, 16 already then, net of the financials. He was ingraining in me the thinking about, you know, you're, you're buying companies, but companies are run by people. Yep. And people are driven by uh, values. Cool. Yep. And that shows through, right? Are they good managers? Are they good people? What are they trying to do? And then that translates into numbers yep. later on. So very, on, very early on, he was like, you know, you pick the people that are building the nation. Mm-hmm. And they're sound managers, sound people. They have a good team. Mm-hmm. So, so that really got me into stock market investing in 1991 all the way to 1990. Well, moving forward. Mm-hmm. But those are the boom years, 91 to 97 before the Asian financial crisis. Right. So when I was in college, I really found the power of, well, money. Yes. And investing. And, you know, I continued that hustle all the way through such that when I graduated, I worked for a while in the stock market and eventually I said, I want to learn more mm-hmm. about it. So I went to work for a bank, wow. Standard Chartered at that time and Standard Chartered, but doing stocks. So learning even more about the process, so you the doubled regulation. Down, right? I doubled down on yeah. it. But I graduated with a philosophy degree because, <laughs> not because I'm a philosopher, but because, <laughs> um, and neither, neither did I mean, you know, there's no job, right. there's no openings for philosophers, but I really love the thinking, yeah. the logic, the training of the mind, and maybe influenced by my father and my mm-hmm. my Tito Jing, who were both philosophy graduates, but mm-hmm. who took up an MBA mm-hmm. in finance and management. And so I thought that that was the path I wanted to take. The crisis hit, 97, I worked for two years, but in my plan was, you know, as a philosophy graduate, I said within two years, which was the minimum work experience required, right. I took my MBA in AIM oh. in 99. Still continue to invest in the stock market okay. at that time. And, uh, you know, all the way to, to 2001. And in fact, a crisis had hit me. You know, my, my second son, okay. I have six kids. What? I have six <laughs> kids. So I have very much motivation. To Absolutely. Work. You cannot mess, make bad decisions, man. Six but my, Unfortunately, my second son was, was born with a congenital heart oh, problem, no. oh which needed an operation. But thank God I had some savings. But, you know, that kind of zeroed me out. Oh, and, no. and it was a good zero because then I had to reset mm. and then I was able to reinvest as well then, right? But you see, that's where crisis is also opportunity yeah. because I, earned, I learned very early on that, yeah, you got to top slice, take your wins, you know, don't mm-hmm. be greedy. And, you know, coming out of that crisis, I said, look, I got to learn more. Yeah. There's no way I'm done here. I got to learn more. So coming out of my MBA, I joined Citibank. I joined their regional management associate program, which was really a, a 18 month course. It was like a, an extra MBA, okay. but a, a degree in banking. And Citibank was and still is known as the University of Banking. Yep. So I tripled down 
Oh my God. On understanding money. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, after my, my MBA and my finance and, and Citibank, I really began to realize that, um, and I say this jokingly, but half-heartedly serious, that man's greatest invention is compounding interest. Because what you can do with time value of money, what you can do with, with the financial aspect of it is very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to learn everything around it. And, and Citibank was a fantastic training ground to learn heavily about risk. Right. So we really dove deep. What did they do differently in, in Citibank that you'd say, again, always comes up with the best bankers? Because again, if, if you're an alum, you ended up, and people, they say other banks, see trained within the Citibank model. What's the Citibank you know, training module that they put you through or the regimen that prepares you to be world-class? You know, it sounds boring, but it's really GRC, Governance, Risk, Compliance. Mm. Can we dig deep on that? What do you mean by GRC? Well, governance, risk, and compliance really are the backbone of a banking institution. It's a regulated institution. Yes. Probably the oldest regulated institution in the world. Yeah. So there are many rules that you have to follow per country. It's different, right? Mm. So especially when you're handling people's money and you're handling trust, Mm. right? You have to make sure that your governance is above board. Yep. Right? It's transparent, it's compliant, and more importantly, I'll focus on the risk part. Because what the banks do best is really manage risk. And that's why they're able to do what they do, but they're able to do it with a lot of regulation because they take a lot of risks. Makes sense. Right? And anything from you know interest rate risk, market risk, operations risk, it's like as a banker, you're trained to be planning. <laughs> yes. about what could go wrong. Yep. Murphy's law all the time. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're giving me your money. What can go wrong? Interest rates can go up, can go down. You know, there's counterparty risk. I can run away with it. You know, you can, you can be a fraudulent person. Mm-hmm. Things like that, right? All of those risks come into play. Mm-hmm. And so it allows you to be very, very circumspect about not just the money in front of you, but everything that comes along with it. And I thought that was a fantastic foundation and discipline because yes, compounding interest is fantastic, right? But there's also very high risk, right? And very non-compliant mm-hmm. and you know, not properly governed ways to make money, right? Which is the way Citibank is clearly outlining to avoid. Now, what Citi does really well is ingrain in its people, I wouldn't simplify it so much as this, the rule book, right? but really the, the framework about how to think about risk, how to properly price it, what are the issues, what are the... It's not like, oh, it's risk, don't do it. No, identify the risk, assess it properly, then mitigate make a calculated it, decision. Make, yes, yes. So yeah. that it's all totally above board. Now, that was a fantastic training ground because to this day, whether you, you know, I mean, and, and I moved on, you know, to other things, but I always, always had that in mind. Mm. And... I, I really enjoyed banking, but the problem was I left because after really enjoying, after graduating from the program and working in the corporate bank, yeah. 2006, the, the only thing banking had produced in terms of innovation was the ATM okay. and some semblance of corporate banking. This is pre-iPhone, so a lot of mobile banking. <laughs> and that was only available to the select few. Yes. So this was a time, Ron, where it took you three days to clear a check. If it was Metro Manila, yep. if it was regional, 15 days. If oh it was a God. foreign check, it was 45 to 60 days. Oh my God. We couldn't transfer account to account. Wala pang PesoNet, InstaPay nun. Nope. 
So it felt so Jurassic and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to die in this industry. <laughs> you know, and I was already clamoring for a lot of innovation and I could see that. So I said, no, this is, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my mentors, God bless his soul, Mr. Gigi Zulueta, the founder of uh, Ward Howell, okay. was advising me then. He said, you know, you're young, you're already a city banker, leave. Wow. Leave, learn something new. Technology and media are going to be the future. And this was 2006, but he was that much of a visionary. He said, go, leave. And actually against the wishes of my dad. My dad was like, no, stay, stay there, <laughs> stay in banking. You'll be a banker forever. That's the best thing. You'll never have to worry about anything in your life. But something in me was calling for change, you know, and, it, and it's a value which I've always had, which I've always wanted more, better. Yeah. You know, magis, as we say it. Mm-hmm. Now, I left banking. What drew me was uh, broadcast media. Mm-hmm. which was at that time looking for, you know, another play to just traditional broadcast over the air and frequency. Right. But after trying to feel that out and, and, you know, not really seeing a lot of innovation there, I got the opportunity to work in telco. And fortunately, I had the opportunity to work in either of both telcos. Okay. Smarter Globe. I decided to, to go with Globe. Why? They were more familiar because there were a lot of city bankers in Globe. Ah. <laughs> familiar. Oh. Same, so, same, uh, same, same, but different. Right. <laughs> same, same, but different in a way. Okay. So I could relate. And I really love the exposure that they had across the region. So Globe was part of the Singtel, Singtel group. group. Yep. And um, at that time, we were doing mis- media business development. This was before Over the Top. Right. This was that era where, you know, they were, they were N95 phones and you're yes. supposed to watch the NBA on your phone. Right? Yep. And so I was- With a big ass keyboard. Exactly. Mm. And, and I was, uh, and 3G calling. Yeah. Right. I mean, nothing compared to our, our video calls now, but yeah. it was very exciting to explore that world and explore different business models. Mm-hmm. I got to spend some time in India and understand, wow, I mean, you're talking about 300 million subscribers, mm-hmm. right? Doing airtime load in, in their Kiranas, which are their Sari Sari stores. So the ability to scale, you know, the ability to be a platform. Yep. The ability to have positive unit economics, you know, those, those things were open to me. And I really enjoyed that time in Globe exploring those models. Now, banking came calling. And again, again in, in 2010, banking came calling and Union Bank, they were looking to, at that time, Edwin Bautista, current president and CEO, and Tito Ortiz, who mm-hmm. was the chairman then. We're really trying to transform the bank already as early as then. And they were looking for non-traditional bankers. Mm. And I fit the bill. Okay. I, had, I had about eight years of banking experience. And you had media already. I had media, I had telco. So I brought non-traditional thinking. Yeah. So in a room where you had 15, 20 bankers, having served 15, 20 years of right. banking, mm-hmm. here was a banker with a good foundation of risk, governance, yep. you know, money, treasury. But with a very innovative and forward-looking mindset. And here's the one thing that I remember during this time, just when you left Globe 2007 to 2010, again, God bless his soul too, Sir Georgi Azurin. This was the same time I was getting into entrepreneurship. I asked him to help me out. Again, um, he asked me only two things. He said, he asked me first if, do I do drugs? (laughs) What? (laughs) No, I don't. I smoke cigarettes, but I don't do drugs. Okay, never will I do that. Second is if I ever make it out or become successful, I should 
pay him. No, I should not pay him that. I should pay it for it. And that's why I do what I do now. Chaji is such a good guy. Yeah. I mean, it sounds exactly Man, like him. It's just, bless his the, soul. the startup ecosystem just has a big hole of the best mentor ever. So totally aligned with you on the paid forward. And that's yeah. why totally, we're totally, there totally, you sir. Go. Fist bump. Okay. But one thing that he also taught me at the very basic fundamentals, of course, first get a domain name. So I got the domain name guestlist.ph because I wanted to get people on the guest list of clubs in the Philippines. So boom. Second thing he asked me was to open up a Union Bank Eon card. I was like, what the hell is that? Right? So it's like, Ron, this is what you're going to get. So if someone wants to pay you, you get it on PayPal. Here, you get it faster. I'm like, okay, I didn't understand what that, that meant, but I did it. But my God, until now, I still use that, that same account. And it was just light years ahead of everybody else. And I think you, that's one of the first things you guys built here when you joined uh, Union Bank at that point. Right. Talk to us about that epiphany. Because again, you, if Banky came calling and you already are, say, a renegade in terms of being different and how you think, you're not the traditional, all right, we're just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Union Bank has always been that pioneer. What were the products that you guys built out of the opportunities that you saw that was there? You know, uh, so no, I can't, I'm not taking credit for Eon. That mm -hmm. one actually belongs to the current president and CEO, Edwin Bautista. Shout out to you, sir. And um, the story there is, it's really customer experience. So mm. I don't think he'll take it against me for telling this story, but okay. he was a heavy PayPal user and eBay customer. Oh, okay. So Edwin is a published uh, collector. He has a he has a book on Southeast Asian ceramics, oh. um, and he would buy a lot of different items on eBay. Okay, but he always had a problem paying. Yes, so hard. And so it was his need that said, you know what, PayPal just needs a sixteen-digit credit card number, mm -hmm. and a Visa card does that. And so why don't we connect it, and therefore we have access. Yeah. And he wasn't alone in that space, and it turned out many Filipinos were eBay sellers, eBay users. And that was really the genesis of Eon. Mm -hmm. But because eBay and PayPal users were very digital, mm -hmm. it had to be very digital centric. Got it. And the way it was engineered was to give you a close to as digital only experience as possible. So the very, I think you remember, you applied online, you filled up yep. everything online. Yep. And then you designated which branch you yep. wanted to I pick your remember. Eon card in, mm -hmm. and then you pick it up there. So if I, wow, I applied, wow, digital, diba. Well, the real yeah. work around there was, okay, we'll do the KYC on Ron when he gets to the branch and picks up his car right. <laughs> to really see that this is Ron. Yes, yes. Right? right. But again, in 2010, that was unheard of. And it was there before 2010. It was there I before 2010. Know. So Union Bank, and, and you know, that's really a credit to Tito and Edwin. They were, they were visionaries and saying, look, we want to make this more digital. In fact, if you look at our annual report in 1999, okay. we had WAP mobile banking already there. There was an e-commerce portal way ahead of its time. Wow. And I remember Jody, he said, I use this because I do some AdSense stuff. And he has some multiple websites. And that's how he gets his money from his Google earnings. You know, that, that I promised I would not come back to banking. But when, <laughs> I, when, I, when I met these two gentlemen and they were talking about transformation and I had seen what they had done, I was like, wow, where has this been? This is the kind of progressive thinking in banking I have been wanting to do in Citibank. And it, it was fantastic that there's a local bank mm -hmm. was really pioneering this path. So mm -hmm. I, I really came on board mm -hmm. and our, our digital transformation went full swing in, in 2015. And I mean, that that's really what kicked things off. And it's not, the job's not done. Mm -hmm. The job's far from done. 
that's amazing. The fact that we're the only bank doing it yeah. is also sad. Yeah. I really wish other banks got into the game because then you up the game as well, right? Mm. But I, I, I think some are trying to play catch up now. But again, you guys were just way ahead of the, the, the curve and whatnot. But I, let's take our first break. And when we come back, I want to understand when you jumped ship and you went back when you said you're not coming back and you, what you did. I want to understand the stuff you had to build because if it's not Eon, what was it? Because I think I have a little bit of a backstory to do that. But let's talk about that more after the break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back to the break. We are still in Santa Elena Golf Club. Again, easily one of the best venues we've ever. Our producers at the back of the at, at the back of the camera and the recording are having a ball just eating like nice golf club food, <laughs> which I don't think they've done in, 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 in any studio. So again, thank you so much, RV, for of inviting us over. But I want to come back because again, if the Eon card wasn't something, I remember one thing that uh, a very good friend of mine, easily the nicest dick that I know in, in, the, in the world, where it's Dick Chiang, my Ninong in my wedding. So shout out Ninong Dick. He said then he when he built Dragon Pay, he literally had to hack into Union Bank <laughs> to integrate because there's no APIs, no whatsoever. And then eventually it became legal that it became a real partnership at that point. Talk to us about that from your side of the, the fence. How did you even think of what Dick was trying to do and how did you make it legal at this point? 
Well, actually, that has its roots also in Eon because okay. because we were using PayPal in Eon, okay. and we got a message from one of our customers in Bacolod, Kalipay Negrense, which is an orphanage. Okay, and she said uh, she had messaged our chairman then Tito, and he said, and she said, you know, Union Bank's so great, I can get my donations via PayPal, hmm. and we said, hey, we can make this even more of a product because these guys were getting their donations via PayPal, but I'm sure they were also getting checks. And right. the process then for a lot of these nonprofits was to get cash, mm. check. Some people got PayPal, some people got online, but not in the way you can do online payments today. Yeah. And so we said, you know, why don't we make this into a product? And we called it Ushare, which is a donation online platform. So this was our first foray into online payments. Okay. And jumping off our experience from PayPal, we said, let's get PayPal in there. Okay. But let's also get Gcash, Visa, MasterCard, and Dragon Pay because Dragon Pay mm-hmm. gives you access to over the counter. So the idea was to give nonprofit organizations like Kalipa Negrense, and shout out to Anna Balcells, who does a fantastic job with that orphanage there. Yep. Her challenge was really to get more donations and not limited to her quarterly trips to Spain, mm-hmm. to Europe, but to say, hey guys, come to my website and donate there. Nice. And so we offered an online payment gateway with those capabilities. Dragon Pay was one of them as well. And the idea was, look, you can donate and it all goes directly into a Union Bank account. Mm. And we give you a very nice customized dashboard with reports so you know who donated where rather wow. than the Lista system, which <laughs> I, I have to thank Ron for donating. How much did he donate? Yeah. It's all electronic. So I know immediately. Mm-hmm. And you can tell which area of the world it came from. Nice. We sold that to our customers um, and the model was very simple, you know, just bank with us. Bank with us and you get this payment capability. And the model was simple in the sense that you just have to move your balances to us. Wow. Right? And if it's idle in another bank and you don't get anything but a time deposit, you can get a time deposit here plus this capability. Yeah. So it totally unlocked, Mm -hmm. you know, an underserved sector, which people thought had no money, but it had the best kind of money, the money that didn't move. Yes. <laughs> we, we offered it also to churches who, yeah. were, who, who had, who had a lot of funds. Also. Mm. Who had a lot of funds that, you know, they wanted sitting there yep. safe, mm-hmm. but they wanted to connect online donations. So it grew. When Yolanda had hit, we had close to half a billion what? pesos in donations coming through that platform. Oh my God. And because it was digital run, some of the awesome stats there is, where, can you guess where about 90% of those donations came from? Overseas. Philippines. Oh my God. There's nothing like seeing Filipinos in need and saying, hey, donate here right now. By so any hand. Really. The, Red Cross, the Red Cross used it and you know, wow. you share. So, and that's the most, right? And if I pass a hat, people will probably give 100 pesos, 500 pesos, but online donation, you know what the average donation amount was? How much? About one eight. Oh my God. So, so you know, digital worked at the very yeah. early stage and, yeah. and that was a great example. And again, because it was, you know, we're very risk oriented. We knew that this segment, this sector, the underserved was not risky in terms of its profile. It's not like a travel site, right? Where you have a lot of fraudsters. I mean, no one's going to fraudulently donate. <laughs> so it, it was a great, it was a great, experimentation that really led to what we have today in the bank, which is online payments, okay. fully grown. Now, that was one innovation that really grew and today is our online payment gateway and it's now UPay and it's totally grown. Mm. 
Another was an early innovation we had with GCash. Because my mandate then as business development director was to really develop businesses to combine with the existing infrastructure of the bank and the existing customer needs. So that one was a nonprofit need, done, Mm. good. We eventually scaled that to hotels, others. This one was a microfinance institution Mm. that had a collection problem because it was very efficient, very fantastic, but its collection problem was unique in the sense that it took 14 days for me to know in the head office that RV de Vera is fully paid with his third installment of his Kasambahay loan. Mm. A recon problem. Why? Because, you know, the nanas meet once a week. Mm-hmm. There's a lista system. Everybody collects in cash. They note it. They send the cash to the bayan. Mm. The cash to the bayan, they'd have to take a tricycle, some as far as two hours away. So that's 300 pesos. They make mm-hmm. ambag. Mm-hmm. So 14 days before I know at head office. Yep. To make the long story short, we work with Gcash where we used Gcash as the last mile. The nanas were enabled, but Union Bank did all the recon. Got it. This one, like with you, she had also won global awards, but this one was a, in 2012. It was one of the few executions of mobile money in the world where you were really creating financial inclusion. They had about 500,000 members mm-hmm. and that enabled about 10 billion pesos in payments. Wow. Well. So those kind of solutions, right? We're very important in developing the culture of innovation, the culture of experimentation in the bank, and really started to grow. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll fast forward, took over as corporate product head mm-hmm. in transaction banking. We really look to scale that even more. So going back to Ninong Dick. Yep. We actually started to apply him into other businesses, other corporates that also needed online payments. Because this is a time now where online payments are starting to grow. Mm-hmm. Some of our corporate retailers or yep, customers yep. who had restaurants were saying, hey, I want online payments. And so we had, we'd worked with Dick with YouShare mm-hmm. and Dick and I had a fantastic relationship with YouShare mm-hmm. that we started to offer him nice. others. And so that's where that, that relationship grew. It's about using these solutions and innovations and seeing, okay, this works here. Where else can we use it? And that's rare. I, I, I just want to double down here because it's rare, especially till now, it's still rare when you see corporates work with startups. How did you harness and have that mentality that, hey, there's a startup who's actually making a killing and making people, you know, giving value not just to us, but also to, to the end user. And instead of being competitive or being predatory, which I've seen in, in so many ways, like, ah, oh, I will block you off, I'll kill you, or even replicate you. I've seen very anxious in that. You see Dragon Pay with Dick and you work hand in hand. That's a different mindset. What Talk to us about what that mindset was and how you opted to collaborate rather than be predatory. Now that's an excellent point. And that actually segues to my role as a fintech business group head. No? Yeah. Very early on, I mean, it, this is even me prior to Union Bank. Mm-hmm. I'm very collaborative. Parang, why do it alone when you can work as a team? Correct. You know, I mean, basketball is one in five people. It's yes. not one team person. Sport. Team sport talaga. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, and the banks hadn't succeeded all of them combined couldn't cover the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So collaboration was the way to accelerate, number one. Number two, in the bank, you know, we very early on realized that, look, if we don't disrupt ourselves, someone will. Yes. And we also had a smaller market share that we had nothing to lose. Yeah. It's not like at that time, our 5% market share will go down to three. It can only grow yeah. by working with others. Number three, we were very innovative already from the very beginning. We were creating a lot of the technology ourselves, but we couldn't scale that. 
if we're doing it for the corporate customers. And now all of a sudden you can work with partners who have that capability and they're laser focused on just that capability. Mm-hmm. So DragonPay, Gcash, the early work we did, and those are the key success, but we did a lot of other work with key partners and digital companies early on that we used with the corporates now. But those success stories really paved the way for the fintech business group to say, look, partner with all fintechs. Mm. Partner with all fintechs because then you can accelerate capabilities. You can accelerate the business model because if you work with them, they bank with you. Right. And if you vet them, then you give them to clients and clients use them. Mm-hmm. Then the client benefits, their balance is great. You benefit also. You benefit mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're the backbone. You're the backbone. Mm-hmm. And then so does the fintech. So the strategy, the strategy with the fintech business group, think of it like a pyramid. Right. And at the bottom of the pyramid, the strategy was to bank them all. <laughs> at a time in 2015, yeah. 16, when, oh, the fintechs are going to eat our lunch. We're going to eat their lunch. Don't work with them. We said, no, we'll work with any and all fintechs. Why? If you're a fintech, Ron, you need a bank account, plain and simple. It's like your heir. I mean, you need a bank account to move money. Yep. So we wanted to be the bank of choice. Mm. So simple. We offered them APIs, not a checkbook. Wow. Because if you're a digital company coming, okay, I'm going to open up in the Philippines. Okay, okay, I'll send you, a, mm. please come to the branch, fill up these forms, and here's a checkbook. Man. Dude, Already these guys a are, massive deterrent to not getting anything done. So we said, look, what does it take to service this? type of segment. So the fintech business group was created precisely to service them in the manner they wanted to do it, which is digital. So API was the first layer. So first of all, bank them. Make sure that they're a union bank customer because if they're a union bank customer, then their balances are with you. Second, you can enable them. So that's the next part of the pyramid. By enabling them, what do I mean? They need access to Visa, PayPal, Pesonet, Instapay, Mm -hmm. right? So you give them the banking rails, which helps them do their business even better and more efficient. Got it. The better you do that, the more you bank them, right? And the more you bank their ecosystem because their customers become your customers. Amazing. But in enabling them also, what about giving them customers? So you're a fintech that does loans, for example, loans to students. Well, guess what? We have so many schools that are our customers, Mm -hmm. especially the regional provincial schools. Mm -hmm. They have student loans. There you go. There's an ecosystem. So the fintechs not just wanted to work with us because we gave them APIs and bank account yep. and relationship managers and all the banking infrastructure they need. Not only because we enabled them with the banking rails, but we also because we gave them customers to execute on. So here is a bank that's going to give them POC. Nice. And if that worked, the next level was to synergize and co-create with them. What does that mean? Hey, let's take Ninong Dick for an example. Right. After banking him and eventually banking his customers, plugging him into our, the rails, plugging him into our customers as well. We said, hey, Dick, we can create something different together. Mm-hmm. So we started to customize. Ushare is one example, mm-hmm. but we did other online donation platforms for other online payment platforms for other customers using DragonPay. Nice. And that's why it also became very real. Now, after banking, enabling, and synergizing with them, mm-hmm. hey, you know, Dick, this is something special. Nice. There's really a strategic symbiotic relationship between us. Mm-hmm. We invested. Ooh, I did not know this at all. We invested in Dragon Pay and then we exited as well. Nice. When we exited to send it. But yes. But that process, right, would not have happened unless we banked them, we enabled them, we co-created with them and say, hey, this is strategic partner already. Yeah. But even then, the last piece, the top of the pyramid is integrating that capability. Makes sense. So okay. 
you're working with him, you've co-created him, he's strategic. You want that to be the lifeblood. So now, online payments is part and parcel of the entire digital banking service of Union Bank, right? Mm. So that's the strategy that the fintech business group worked on. And that was for all fintech. So, you know, fast forward to the end of that, we banked about close to 700 fintechs or all fintechs in the Philippines. What? All 21 registered BSP, oh virtual asset service providers, all electronic money issuers, all 38 of them. You know, if you're a digital company, if you're a fintech, so it kind of widened the definition of fintech. If you were a digital company, yeah, it was known that you, you bank with Union Bank. And that strategy really worked because it really developed the ecosystem, developed our foothold in that ecosystem, mm -hmm. and developed us as leaders in the digital space, not just from a banking point of view, but from an ecosystem point of view. That's amazing. All right, now let's take our last break. And when we come back, we will now talk about how did that come from doing FinTech for everyone and again, enabling all the guys that you've technically come to see to fruition now into Union Digital Bank. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. 
So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with RV Devereaux and told us amazing stuff that they've done in Union Bank. Not yet Union Digital. Okay. But again, now I want to understand because you were already a bank, right? Why did you have to create another Neo Bank from because you're, you're making a killing already? <laughs> That's what I wanted to understand from Union Bank to Union Digital Bank. How did that come to fruition? And how did you elevate? as the, the guy that would be ripe to lead the charge here? Well, a lot of the things that we had been doing around uh, APIs, which is really open finance, a lot of the things we were doing around blockchain, we did a lot of work okay. in blockchain. We created a blockchain-based rural bank network called I2I. Yep. The first BSP-approved stablecoin in PHX. We had a Bitcoin ATM. Mm. We did bonds on blockchain. We were very heavily involved in the technology mm. and, and how it can enable financial services. And as we went along this journey, we realized two things, that the universal banking license was restrictive in a way that it was universal. It encompassed everything. Mm -hmm. So you could do everything, but it also meant that you carried the cost of everything and the weight of everything. Got it. Now we were E.ON was a digital offering within a universal bank. Mm -hmm. And when the digital bank licenses came out, it felt that we were ripe to take it because it was the next evolution of Union Bank. Whereas we were a bank trying to become more a technology company, okay. a digital bank license allowed us to be a technology company and uh, also a bank. Okay. Because the regulations were simple. I mean, I'm going to oversimplify it, but no paper allowed. Nice. No branches allowed. Nice. If that's Bawal, immediately you can't think, oh, where am I going to put Ron's ID? Okay. Right? You're automatically thinking, I have to start digitally on the cloud. Mm. So that automatically changes the process mm -hmm. 
right? Versus in a bank, oh, I have to make you KYC. Oh, Ron, sign here. Yep, yep. I have to think about the paper. Where am I going to store it? That's additional cost, mm -hmm. right? So when the process changes because of the regulation re requiring you not to have branches, okay. not to have manual processes, mm -hmm. technically I have no cash, no vault. Mm. So the robbers can't rob you. The traditional robber. There's nothing money to heist. Rob. There's, There's nothing, nothing to, to money heist. I mean, that's a different story because now you have to really invest heavily in cybersecurity. Right, right. But traditional old school robbers with all the bonnets and whatever, baklavas, you cannot. But Ron, the, the cost to handle cash in a bank is anywhere from 2 to 3%. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about vaults, armored trucks, oh security God. guards, mm -hmm. counting the cash, cameras, CCTVs, all of that, right? So the promise of the digital bank was really a lower cost to serve. Mm. So finally, because of technology, you can serve many more at a lower price point. Yep. Be more generous with the per annum interest a little bit. Mm. Because your cost economics are better already. Yeah. Makes sense. So that's why we grabbed the opportunity to become a digital bank. Okay. But also because we had a lot of the history and pedigree already. You can't jump to a digital bank license yeah. if you don't do APIs, right? If you don't have this open and collaborative mindset. The fact that we were doing so many things with the fintechs already opened our eyes and so many of our corporates wanted a more digitally enabled solution. Mm -mm. And then the pandemic hit, it just felt like the, the right next level for the bank. But what I, I want to understand now is again, I think if, if correct me if I'm wrong, I, I may be very wrong. You were one of the last few ones that were given the, the license before they, the, the BSP said, nope, not, not anymore. It's, it's done. And after that, you have to really deliver a working product, an MVP. Because again, with the license, it's not like, oh, it's, it's a forever license. I think there's some milestones you had to hit. Walk me through that process because that must have been wow. hella intense. That was, I mean, when the digital bank licenses were announced in January, January of 2021. Okay. Oh my God. We knew we had a small window. How small was the window? Well, eventually they closed the licensing in August of that year. <laughs> so we had to apply soonest. Right. And we applied in May. Okay. And so just uh, four months. Okay. And then we got our first license, which was you are now allowed to set up a digital bank. Okay. That was in July. So oh, July, 20, July 18, 2021, we got our license to open, set up a digital bank. That license gave us precisely 12 months to turn on and operate the bank. If you did not do so by July 19, 2022, your license would be revoked. Holy shit. So wait, how did you then build the team and how did you, you have a, that is so, such intense pressure. It's not like upon launch, there's a guaranteed success. Yes, okay, there you have the, the backing of Union Bank as is, but it's still a totally new thing and the time is ticking. It's like you're on a guillotine and if you don't deliver, it's game over and you don't get that money back that you're going to invest. So you really needed a guy that can be nimble, agile, and everything, <laughs> and make sprints and assemble a team that can deliver within such a tight time period. How did you get this done, Arvin? Well, you know, it's always going to come down to people, really. And I, I've been blessed to really have worked with tremendously talented people, even back to my business development days. Yep. 
the corporate banking days, the corporate mm-hmm. product days, the fintech business group days. Yeah. And then the Union Digital Bank team as well, which was a fantastic team of like-minded individuals mm-hmm. who really wanted to change the landscape of banking. Yeah. Now, it's also about the vision. Mm. I believe that the people also rallied around my vision of what kind of a digital bank we wanted to have, which was a digital bank that could service the mass market for financial inclusion. But this was not to be a traditional bank. This was really supposed to be a B2B2C bank. So we were we were always very successful in communities, mm. right? So we want to empower and enable communities. It's about empowering the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It's not the one-to-many retail play, Yep. right? That's gravy on top of the community-based. Correct. Now, many people resonated with that strategy. Nice. And that vision of really unlocking financial services for the masses, but not to go to the masses one-to-one. Go to the communities and ecosystems where they reside, result. So you're not going to go to the farmer directly. Yep. You go to the farmer cooperatives. You go to the farmers' associations so that you hit the one-to-many approach. Mm And that gives you an anchor approach. So that strategy resonated with everyone, number one. Number two, the fact that we were really looking to democratize financial services, to allow 50 peso loans, Mm -hmm. right? Pantawid for the day, right? And still do that at a positive unit economics basis. Wow. To be able to lend using alternative credit scoring, Mm -hmm. right? Not just your proof of income, but how you use your mobile phone, how you behave in social media, all of those things as a proxy for your capacity and willingness to pay. Mm-hmm. Right. And then to also, well, democratize investments, right? Can you now save, right? Smaller increments, higher interest, right? Beyond just payments, because many before that, I mean, many fintechs and e money providers and even digital banks are just focused on hey, payments. Mm-hmm. But that's one. I mean, to be a financial services provider mm-hmm. and wanting to solve financial inclusion, there are really four pillars you need to solve payments. Mm-hmm. Savings and investments, okay. insurance, and credit. Makes sense. If you only have one of them, you're bungi. Nah, so correct. financial inclusion hits all four pillars. That's hard. Okay. To do and, all four. and I'm I'm actually quoting Sopnendu Mohanty of the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Wow. Because very early on he he made us realize that that's right. No, we've been focused on payments in the Philippines for so long, but you need to get all the other pillars as well going. Simultaneously. And so, and so we're underpenetrated in terms of insurance. The yep. farmers need it the most, right? Yep. Yet they don't know about it, have access to it. But the majority of the problem is access. And now technology is allowing you access at a profitable level. Mm. The problem wasn't that the banks couldn't do it. The banks didn't want to do it because it wasn't profitable to do it. And of course, as a bank, you need to make money. You're not going to go into a segment that's losing money, which is why majority of the banks really only lend to the 20, 30, 40%. Makes sense. Right? So now the technology allows you to do it profitably that, hey, your minimum loan amount can go from 150,000 or 100,000 pesos to now 5,000 pesos. Mm-hmm. And the banks can still make money. Then it's sustainable. Makes sense. All right. That's amazing. But on a personal toll, what did it take <laughs> to, do, to do this? Because this is hard. I mean, startup life is hard. But on a personal note, man, I want to understand the human side of this. I understand the banking side of this. What was that like? Well, wow. I mean, that was a mad rush to, number one, to submit the application for the license in four months. Okay. And then to build the bank mm. in less than one year. 
mm. right? And just as a comparison, the Singapore mm. digital banks mm. took two years to build. So we actually built, this is probably the fastest record mm. in having wow. built a digital bank from scratch. That's incredible. And it was exhilarating. It was exciting. And not only after building it, Ron, so we launched it in July. Mm -hmm. And then to end the year in six months with the results that it had, right? Mm -hmm. 5.7 billion in loans, mm -hmm. 9.4 billion in deposits, mm -hmm. 1.7 million customers. To end the year, and now it's becoming profitable, to end the year with that milestone, that was just tremendous pressure, but really exhilarating and exciting to get that done. That's amazing. But, you know, after that, I mean, it was, and, and the vision will continue, the strategy will continue. But after that, you know, that mad rush, I said, you know, okay, <laughs> I think it's time to take a step back. <laughs> Rest. I think it's time to Oof. take a step back. And, and well, it's going to continue on that path. Yeah. But now take a step back and really just reassess things. Right. Because the job's not done, but it's not done across many different aspects. Mm. I mean, there's digital identity that is still a challenging problem. Yeah. I wrote an article in, in LinkedIn about yep, that. By the way, I liked it. Uh, I saw. And I think, I think we're, we're, wow, we're still a long way from that, right? Mm -hmm. Credit is still a problem. Yep. The ecosystem is still fragmented. Mm. We have data and AI, data science and AI, which is just beginning to really emerge. Right. Right. As companies emerge. So we're becoming a digital country. The Philippines is stacking up, mm -hmm. but there's still so many different pieces around, you know, the peripheries of financial services that need to be done. But no, I mean, just to go back to your question, 2021, January to February, 2023, that, that two year stint was uh, really, uh, wow. <laughs> we were, I mean, fantastic team. I didn't do it alone. Fantastic team, fantastic support from the group. The regulators were also fantastic, but it was just a mad rush to complete that. And the, the fact that we got the license, yeah. launched the bank, exceeded nice. the end year goals was really just a testament to the dedication of the team, mm -hmm. the clarity mm -hmm. and the strength of the vision. Now, I want to understand, again, you, you've had such an amazing career and uh, you've seen pretty much probably every single scenario that a bank can go through. But going through this process, this is probably fish out of water experience for you. Now, I want to understand from that point of view, what did you learn about yourself going, having to go through that in such intense pressure to get that over the hump? Because again, the stakes were so high, right? I can just imagine like, oh my God, you, 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 you sleep with this, you know, it lives with you for a couple of years. But in hindsight now, after getting the job done, exceeding expectations and exceeding targets, what did you learn about yourself at this point? And with what you've learned, how does that affect your next journey? So just going back to that task, it was a startup, okay. but also a bank. <laughs> Double whammy. Okay, so so it's really it's really that much pressure and 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 that those high stakes, right? Yeah. And then you're talking about trust, right? But I was very passionate, and so was my team. We were very passionate because we felt that we had the right to win as a group. Mm -hmm. I think we had all the right history, pedigree, and if you look at the other digital banks, mm -hmm. we're the only ones parented by a Universal Bank. 
yep. grandparented by the Aboitis group as well. So it felt like it was all the right pieces to succeed. Mm-hmm. In the process, I learned a few things, but going back to that really, you know, you need partnership. Mm. You need partnership to succeed. And for me, that was key that you had strong parent partners. And if you look around the world, the successful digital banks have strong parents, partners that align in the vision. Mm. Not like JP Morgan that, you know, ate up its or killed its fin, its <laughs> digital bank because they were competing. Yeah. With this one, there's a strategy and clarity of vision. Yeah. So that's the second thing. Other than the partnership across the parent and across the ecosystem, you can't do it alone, right? Mm. Also the, the clarity of vision and strategy. That one has to be firm because when you have a crisis of commitment, of conviction, of conflict, and things get things, things will get hard. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's like, oh, is this the right thing to do? And you have to stay the course. Correct. Third is, well, resilience also. I think the resilience, not just my, my resilience, but of people. Yes. When people are passionate mm-hmm. and people are driven, they are more resilient as well that way. The last thing I think I would have taken away is that you know, it, it's not done. I mean, it, it was a great task. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a great journey. But, you know, when I think about it, we haven't really made a dent. Yep. Even, I mean, as an, as, a, as an industry now, I'm talking about Gcash, the other yep. six digital banks. You know, we're still at 60, 70% underbanked. Yeah. Right? Even with people having pervasive use of Gcash, the lending is beginning to pick up, but not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So, we got to continue to pay it forward yep. and move forward because, I mean, we're going to be a G20 country by yep. 2050, right? Yep. And our growth trajectory is so solid. We have an administration, a president who is very pro-digital. Mm-hmm. The government is now getting more digital. So we have and the, the Banco Central, the regulators themselves, right, are promoting digital payments. Yep. Their digital transformation roadmap is solid. So... As a country, we have a right to win. Yes. Right? And I'll take a step back a bit, Ron, and this is what excites me also is when you look at the startup scene now, and, and you, you're so familiar with it now, mm-hmm. yung startups ngayon from 2016. Nope. Very different. And I love it because, you know, these are Filipinos who run, some are on their second or third startup. They have the scars, but this is different from the 2016 startup founders that were coming back, Filipinos coming back from abroad and then with an idea. These guys, you have startups coming from the provinces, mm-hmm. right? They're already building it right with data science, AI, cybersecurity, governance. Mm-hmm. So when you look at how the regulatory landscape and the ecosystem is evolving, then you see the startup community mm-hmm. really growing and the quality of our startups, right? Solving Filipino problems, right? And then finally, you have local VC funding, yep, right? All of that is like saying, hey, guys, as a country, we really have an awesome right to win. I mean, we, we might be overlooked compared to Indonesia yep. and Vietnam in terms of investment. We have to grab it. We have to. And I, I love it because the Filipino startups and startup founders now are fantastic. I mean, they're, they're you know, in 2016, you didn't graduate from college thinking, I want to be a startup founder. <laughs> now you have guys graduating from college or in college and saying, I'm going to be a startup founder. Yep. And they're building their life towards that. And it's not anymore... How shall we? They're focused on the key things, right? Developers, data science, cybersecurity. In 2016, it was about a cute app mm. and some cute payments you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, when I step back, I look at the country and I look at, you know, it's like, it's so promising yeah. 
as a whole ecosystem. And, and that's exciting because we are teching up the Philippines. Absolutely. And again, the quality of founders is also a beneficiary of role models of the first and second or third generation that was there. Died. A lot of them died along the way. I died along the way. I got lucky along the way. But the youngins now have role models that they can look up to and, you know, emulate and do that. But again, thank you very much, RV, for such an amazing time. But again, I wish we had more time, but this is definitely not the last. But before I let you go, what's next for you? What should we look out for for RV very soon? And again, hopefully this is not the last time I get to go to this very amazing place. No, 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 not at all. You can uh, have another podcast here, even if it's without me, Ron. Just let me know. <laughs> okay. No, but so so I talked about the space. I talked about the ecosystem, you know, and let's let's take that a bit further, no? Okay. ASEAN itself is really growing. Yep. And, you know, we are the spotlight, ASEAN, and then definitely the Philippines is coming to fruition. And we're seeing, number one, a more digital Filipinas will require digital talent. And I mean across the board, startup founders, developers, product managers. Mm-hmm. That is going to continue to be a, a challenge for us. And you're seeing many startups that are setting up here mm-hmm. that are beginning to say, look, we don't have the talent. And the talent is different now, but they're hiring, you know, sassy RM providers. They're yes. hiring data architects. They're hiring roles that didn't exist before. Exactly. Mm. And and actually our college students don't even have the wherewithal to jump into because you graduate from computer engineering, you know, you're not going to become a cybersecurity expert, right? So I think some of the key things there are obviously education in the ecosystem okay. across the board. That's leveling it up. Leveling it up, you know, the talent, you know, I, I want to pay it forward. There you go. To the startup community, mm-hmm. to the coming founders, mm-hmm. to the talents that mm-hmm. they're developing, mm-hmm. to the schools. I want to pay it forward. And going back to my roots in the fintech and startup ecosystem, this new set of a new batch of mm. founders, developers, mm. product managers. These guys, you know, can all still do fantastic things, but they can benefit exactly from the mentorship of people who have kind of paved the way before them. Absolutely. So you're going to see me very much more involved in this space as I have been. I think you've you've seen my LinkedIn posts. Yep, and yep. I've been very involved in this space. And it was really just, re, you know, touching base again. Mm-hmm with my roots because I really did start this journey with collaboration, with the ecosystem, with the community, be it FinTech or digital. Uh-huh. And so I'm really getting more and more involved again in that space. And sometimes I feel a little older around it because <laughs> if you feel old, what I mean, man, uh, we all do. Okay. Because people are like, Once oh yeah, yeah, forward, yeah. Ouch. RV, I, I, I know you, I know you. I, I met you before and I know you. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, I really, I've been, yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been doing this for 15 years. Been around. Been around, but you know, it's exciting to feel their energy yeah. and feel and their feed passion. Off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, RV, thank you so much for having an amazing episode. But before I let you go, follow us on every podcast app you're listening to. And again, if we did say some jargon, which I think you did, don't get bamboozled. It's going to be in the show notes on healthshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of the community and get to talk to amazing founders like RV, it will be on our premium membership on Hustle Share Premium. So just check out premium.hustleshare.com. Again, RV, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.